Aloha Kauai Bible Church, Pastor Aaron here with you via video. If everything went according to plan, Shannon and I are already in Barcelona, Spain. And you might be wondering why a recorded video, don't we have other people in the church that can speak while Pastor Aaron is gone? And the answer is yes. We have uh, some amazing teachers, some amazing preachers. We've raised up many of them over the last couple of years. And, and you're going to be hearing from some of those amazing teachers these next two Sundays. But the reason I insisted on recording a video for this sermon is that today's message was so near and dear to my heart that uh, I just couldn't let it go. I wanted to preach this one, and so that's why we chose to do the video today. Uh, we have called this series Family Ties, and of course, we're going back to the 80s sitcom, uh, one of my favorite TV shows as a kid growing up. And, and the idea is, is that there are family ties that bind us. There are things that bring us together as the people of Kauai Bible Church uh, that bring great blessing, but also bring, bring great responsibility. And so last Sunday, we really laid the foundation uh, for what it meant to have these family ties and, and to be bound together as the household of God. And, and what that means in our lives. And we used that to launch our vision statement for 2023, which is every member of your family finding and fulfilling their purpose in God's family. That is our heart at Kauai Bible Church. We want to see all ages, uh, everybody in the spectrum of life, every member of your family, if they would come to church, that they would find faith in Christ, they would find salvation, and they would find their purpose, and we would activate that purpose in their lives. And all of us fulfilling our purpose together, being the masterpieces that God created us to be, would create a healthy and thriving church. So that's our passion. That's our vision. What we're going to do for the rest of the month of December, of December, of January, is look at three words that God has put on the heart of the leadership here at the church, three theme words that are going to mark this year and the things that we're going after this year. And so today, I'm going to share with you the first of those three words, and that word is pioneer, pioneer. So if you've got your notes with you, which you can find in your, you know, your page tin, it's not a full bulletin, but in your page tin, you can find the notes. Uh, you can also find them attached to this video if you're watching it on the website or attached to this audio if you're listening to the podcast. And here's our big picture point. This is what we're going after today. Kauai Bible Church needs to return to the pioneer spirit that founded her in order to be revitalized into a healthy and thriving church, right? Kauai Bible Church was birthed out of this idea of a pioneer spirit. And I want to call us as a church back to that spirit. And so I want to begin today by talking about the history of the church and why is this so near and dear to my heart? It's that when we had our 50th anniversary and we brought in so many of the leaders that were a part of the planting of this church, the founding of this church, the early stages of this church, and I got to spend time with them and hear their stories and, and the things that took place, uh, my heart was just so stirred that I desperately wanted to get back to that. Not necessarily back to the same methods because it was 50 years ago. It was a different culture. It was a different time. So I'm not talking about getting back to the same methods from 50 years ago. 
But I'm talking about getting back to the same spirit from 50 years ago. Right, Kauai Bible Church was originally planted because there was a school teacher here on Kauai named Pat Nakama. And, and she started having uh, young people gathering in her house, and they were praying, and, and, and she just felt that, that God was doing something. And so she went to Grace Bible Church on Oahu, and she said, will you help us plant a church on Kauai? And so Grace Bible began to send teams of people over every Sunday to begin to sow the seeds into uh, what would become Kauai Bible Church. And what was amazing is that all of these people that were coming over, obviously they came with a pioneer spirit. They were getting on planes. They were getting on a boat. They were taking a boat from Oahu over here to Kauai uh, to come and to be a part of planting something. There was an adventure to it. There was a passion to it. And the amazing thing is that all of these young people that were coming over to help plant this church, every single one of them ended up planting another church, right? So you see that, that pioneer spirit. Even our original uh, pastors, the Watanabes, planted a church in Japan. Sam and Nancy Webb planted a church in Guam. Sid Sumida planted a church in Oahu. Uh, Russ Stewart planted a church in Kaneohe. Eddie Asato planted a church on Maui. Roy Kim planted a church on Big Island. These were all, these guys were young men, 18, 19, 20 years old when this church was being planted 50 years ago. And there was a pioneer spirit. And then I was greatly stirred when I sat down with uh, Steve and Faye Johnson, who took over as the pastors of Kauai Bible Church two years after it was founded. And when I heard the spirit that was upon them when they uh, were leading this church, I was just blown away. First off, they had no formal training. They had no education, no background uh, in, as pastors, uh, anything like that. Somebody just said, hey, there's this new church over on Kauai. Uh, the, the Watanabes are going to Japan. They, they need pastors. You want to go do it? And Steve and Faye were like, okay, we'll go do it. The first sermon Steve ever preached was his first Sunday as the pastor of Kauai Bible Church. And he shared, he said, listen. We uh, were a small church plant. We had maybe 20 people in the church. We had a couple thousand dollars in the bank. We didn't have any property. We didn't have anywhere to meet. We didn't have anything. Uh, we were just a small church. And he said, I didn't know what I was doing. He said, so what we did is we went to prayer. We were desperate to see God do something, and we knew we couldn't do it on our own. And so we went to prayer, and he said he prayed every day for about 40 minutes in English, and for about 40 minutes he prayed in tongues every single day for eight months, just desperate to go after God. God, if you don't show up, this thing is going to fail. God, if you don't show up, we're not going anywhere. For eight months he prayed, and after eight months of this desperate prayer, Families started coming to the church. New families started coming. And things began to break open. And then the people began to give extravagantly so that they could buy the land that our church sits on now. And, and, and they began to press forward from there. There was this pioneer spirit. And what really challenged me is that now, 50 years later, we've got all kinds of money. We have millions of dollars worth of land and buildings, and we've got money in the bank, and we've got savings accounts, and, 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 and we've got this level of comfort. 
And God really challenged me. Aaron, in the five years you've been the pastor of Kauai Bible Church, have you ever been as desperate as Stephen Fayward? And my answer was, no, I have not. Right? We've gotten comfortable because we've got heritage and legacy and history and resources and all of these things as a church, and we've gotten comfortable. But I want to call us back to the pioneer spirit that founded this church. Right? Kauai Bible Church was founded by a pioneer spirit, and I will declare this. Our hope for the future of this church will also be found in having a pioneer spirit. So this is what we're going to go after today. So let's start with this word pioneer. What does it mean? What am I talking about? We're going to go to the Bible and we're going to do a word study on pioneer. And, and the Greek word that you would find in the New Testament was archegos. Archegos. And, and this word uh, had a few different meanings, but it referred to an originator, a founder. So to be a pioneer means that you've got to start something. You begin something new. Uh, but it also has a leadership connotation to it, right? And so in, in, in even Greek writing outside of the Bible, the best understanding of this word archegos was a leader who stands at the head of a group and who opens the way for others to follow, Right, So to be a pioneer not only means that you start something new, but it's that you open the door so that others can follow through and experience God's breakthrough. Right, And so those pioneers that founded Kauai Bible Church, they opened a door that we were able to walk through and we are enjoying the benefits and the blessings and the goodness of this family of God here at KBC because those pioneers opened the way. They began something. So this is the idea of, of a pioneer. And here's the interesting thing. In the New Testament, this word only appears four times. And all four times, it's referring to Jesus. We find it twice in the book of Acts in the preaching of Peter. And we find it twice in the book of Hebrews. And all four times, it refers to Jesus. So what I'd like to do is to do a word study on this so that we can understand that Jesus is the original pioneer. Right? Jesus is the pioneer. And each of these four references to the word archegos teaches us a little something about what Jesus is the pioneer of. And we're going to fill these blanks in in our notes. So first we go to Acts chapter 3 and verse 15. And as Peter is preaching the gospel, he says, But they put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witnesses. That word archegos is translated prince. They put to death the prince of life, the archegos of life, the one who leads and opens the door for us. So what do we learn about Jesus? He's the pioneer of our life. The very life that we have, the very breath that we breathe, and, and not only the physical life that we have, but also the spiritual life that we have because we have been born again in Christ. Jesus was the pioneer of our life. He is the one that paved a way that we might have life. We go to Acts chapter 5 and verse 31. Again, this is Peter preaching. 
He said, he is the one whom God exalted to his right hand as a prince and a savior to grant repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Again, we see archegos translated as prince, that connotation of a leader. And so we find that Jesus is the pioneer of our repentance and our forgiveness. We are able to repent because Jesus made a way for us. We are able to find forgiveness of sins because Jesus grants it to us. Why? Because he went first. He was the pioneer. He paved the way. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 10. For it was fitting for him. The him here in this phrase is God the Father. For it was fitting for him, God the Father, for whom are all things and through whom are all things, right? So God the Father, everything was made for him. Everything was made through him. It says, in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. That word author is archegos, pioneer. Right, Because an author is somebody who writes something, who creates with words. And so it says that Jesus was the author of our salvation and that he was perfected through sufferings. The suffering that he experienced at the hand of the Romans and ultimately his death upon the cross paved the way for our salvation. Doing what? Bringing many sons to glory. Jesus paved the way to bring many to experience the glory of God and to be able to live for all eternity in that glory. How about Hebrews 12 too? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the author and perfecter of faith. Author being the word archegos. He is the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, right? He was the one who opened the door for us to have faith. He began it. He originated it. He perfected it ultimately through his finished work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And now we have access to it because Jesus went before us. The pioneer of our life, of our repentance, of our forgiveness, of our salvation, and of our faith was Jesus. So why is it so important that we paint this picture of Jesus as the pioneer? Well, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6 and look at this in verse 19. It says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Right? And so it says that uh, we have this hope as an anchor for our souls, sure and steadfast. And this hope enters into the veil, right? What does it mean to go beyond the veil? It means to go into the very presence of God, the most holy place. And why is it that we can go beyond the veil into the very presence of God? Because Jesus went there first. It says Jesus entered as a forerunner for us. 
So the pioneer went first as a forerunner. The word forerunner implies that others are expected to follow. And so if Jesus is the pioneer, if he is the forerunner, then we are expected to follow. That his mission, the things that he did, the way that he paved, he has called us to follow with him. What was that mission? To seek and to save the lost? To declare the coming of the kingdom of God? That we might have life and have it more abundantly? That we might be, that, that he would be the light of the world? That people in darkness would see a light? Jesus was the forerunner. He went first, and now it's implied that we are to follow. What does that mean? That means that if Jesus was a pioneer, then we're called to be pioneers. I was talking this week with a, a missionary to the Amazon, to uh, unreached people groups along the Amazon River in Brazil. And uh, she was talking about the phrase that we use quite often is we give our hearts to Jesus or we trust Jesus as Lord. Well, what she found there in the Amazon in their native languages, they wouldn't use those phrases. The phrase they would use is walk the trail with Jesus. Have you made the decision to walk the trail with Jesus? Why would they say that? Because in their culture... Walking a trail with somebody is the most intimate thing that you can do. And following somebody on the trail is the most trusting thing that you could do. And so they ask, have you walked the trail with Jesus? So I'm here today to declare that Jesus is our pioneer and we have been called to walk the trail with him. He has blazed the way and now he has called us to be pioneers in our day to minister and to touch lives in, in fresh and new ways because we grab onto that same pioneer spirit. How does this apply to Kauai Bible Church? Well, I want to talk to you about this concept of the life cycle of a church. The life cycle of a church because Kauai Bible Church, we are 50 years old. And... The research says that most churches, honestly, after they're 30 years old, so we're well past that, are on the wrong side of the church life cycle. So let's take a look at this. What, what do I mean by the life cycle of the church? Well, there's actually been many models that have been created through the years. Uh, I just want to look at a couple of them that, uh, that really speak to me. And the first one I want to look at actually uses the human life cycle as, as the model. And so it starts at birth and it goes through childhood, adolescence, maturity, empty nest, old age, and death. And uh, this one was first created as a business model. And, and then a man named George Bullard, along with an associate uh, group that he was working with, adapted this model for the church. And he used four elements... To, to represent uh, the ultimate maturity of a church. Those four elements being vision, where are we going? Relationships, who's going with us? Ministry, how do we get there? And structure, what do we control? And so you can see on this chart that when a church is birthed, it only has one of those elements. It has vision, 
right? There's no people. There's no ministry. There's just some church planters with a vision. And when those church planters with that pioneer spirit plant a church, it moves into childhood where people begin to join the church and now there's relationships, there's excitement, there's this newness. Uh, Everybody's excited to be together and to get to, to know each other. And so as the church grows into adolescence, you begin to add ministries. So now we have vision and relationship and now the church is doing many different ministries until the church reaches its peak of maturity by adding structure. Because now there's so many people and there's so many ministries that there needs to be a structure that organizes the way that all of those ministries interact. And a church has reached its peak and it's thriving and it's healthy. And then what happens is it gets to the wrong side of the life cycle. So you get to that empty nest phase and the first thing that disappears is vision. Why? Because we get comfortable. We like what we have We don't need to strive for new things. We don't need to go after new things. We need to hold on to what we have. So we still have great relationships. We still have great ministries. We still have great structure. Just nobody really has any passion for vision anymore to do new things. And then the church gets to old age. What goes next? The relationships. Why? Because when you lose your passion... You grow a little more stagnant, and when you're stagnant is when you're not doing anything, is when relationships maybe become annoying, people start to bother you, you start to have conflict, and so now the church still has ministries and it still has structure, but those great relationships aren't there anymore. And then finally, a church dies because all it has left is structure, Right? It still has a constitution. It still has a board. It still has an organizational chart. But even the ministries are gone now. It's not doing anything. And the church dies. Right? That's the life cycle of a church. I, I, I like being able to picture it this way. But there's one thing I don't like about this chart, and that is that it looks hopeless. It looks like no matter what you do, you're going to go down the backside of life and you're going to die. And while that's true for people, right, that's going to happen to all of us, that doesn't have to be true for a church. A church doesn't have to be destined to die. So I want to put this second chart up here. This one was created by a church consultant named Anthony Hilder. And I'm not going to explain this chart because there's lots of arrows and circles and colors. But I just want to show this one to you because the reason I like this chart is because it shows that you can always revitalize the church back to growth and multiplication, right? So no matter where you're at in the life cycle, you can always get back to those things that made it a healthy and thriving church in the first place. And so this chart gives us much more hope. And then finally, the third one I want to look at, this one was created by Tom Rayner, who is a great church consultant. He's got just years and years of research and ministry, and I have followed his podcasts and things through the years. And in this cycle, you can see that a church is planted with an outward focus, right? We've got to reach people. We've got to share the gospel. We've got to bring new people into the church, and we've got to reach these families. And then as you begin to do that, the church begins to develop organization and structure. 
And the church thrives in that organization and structure, and so more people are joining the church. And so then uh, you, you get into the phase of integration and assimilation, where as people are joining the church, we've got ways to integrate them into the family, uh, help them find places where they can become members and find places of ministry and serve and grow in discipleship. And all of that is great as the church is healthy and thriving. But then something happens in the life cycle, and Tom Rayner calls it inverse priorities. And what happens is, instead of having the outward focus and the passion to reach people with the gospel that birthed the church in the first place, is our priorities get flipped upside down. And instead, what becomes important to us is hanging on to what we have. We've got a great building. We've got a great atmosphere. We've got a great history. We've got a great legacy. And we just want to hold on to that. And so all of the decisions that are made and the things that we do is just to hang on to what we already have instead of going out and preaching the gospel. And that inverted priority leads to decline, and that decline can lead to death unless you get back to the outward focus that birthed the church in the first place. So where is KBC on the life cycle? As we look at all these charts and all of these ideas, where does that put us? Well, listen, I love Kauai Bible Church. I love being here. I shared last week about John Fawcett back in 1772 who chose not to leave his small country church even though he was called and invited to bigger and better things that would make him more famous and more well-known. He stayed at that church that he was called to because he was tied to it and he loved it. Listen, I love Kauai Bible Church. I'm tied to this place. I'm not going anywhere. My passion is for this church. But I think we need to be honest about where we're at. And if we took an honest look about where we are at, we would have to say that Kauai Bible Church, we are on the wrong side of the life cycle. I mean, you can look at the numbers. When, when Kauai Bible Church was at her peak, uh, which was probably in the late 90s, early 2000s, maybe even a little bit after that, right? There were 200 people in church on Sunday. Now, and I know the pandemic has a little bit to do with it, but not everything. You know, our Sunday attendance lately has averaged about 55 people. Right? That's decline. We have not water baptized a single new believer in at least five years, probably more. That's a sign that we're in decline. Right? We struggle to even fill the most basic ministry positions and volunteer positions on a week-to-week -week basis. That's a sign that we're in decline. Right? That, that's just where we're at. And I'm not saying that to beat up the church. Hey, this is my church. I've been here for five years. Uh, I'm just as much a part of the problem as anybody else. But I think we just need to be real. We can't chart a course forward unless we're honest with where we're at. And that's where we're at. But that is not our destiny.
That is not where we're going to end up. I believe in revitalization. I believe in that chart that says that no matter where we are in the stages of decline, we can make some shifts and some changes that can revitalize Kauai Bible Church. And I am here today as your shepherd to declare prophetically that what's going to secure our future is the very thing that founded us in the first place, and that is a pioneer spirit. And that is why this word pioneer is going to be one of our foundational words for 2023. Every one of us at Kauai Bible Church, we're going we're gonna to have to look at ourselves and say, have I gotten comfortable? Have my priorities got inverted? Has it become more important to me to just hang on to what we have as Kauai Bible Church rather than doing new things and reaching new people? Right? Have I gotten comfortable that, that I don't have to do anything for the church because the church is taken care of? Have I gotten comfortable that we don't have to win new people to Jesus because we've, we've had plenty of families in the church throughout the years? We're going to have to be honest with ourselves. And every one of us is going to say, where along the line did I get comfortable? Where along the line did I grow stagnant? Where along the line did I lose a pioneer spirit? And what is it going to take to get me back to that passion? And so what I want to do now is I just want to look at four things. If we're going to talk about a pioneer spirit that revitalizes Kauai Bible Church, what is that going to look like? So let me give you these four things here. The first one in your notes is this. It's a desperation to pray. It's a desperation to pray, just like we heard from Steve and Faye Johnson. He said, man, every day I prayed 40 minutes in English. Every day I prayed 40 minutes in tongues because I was desperate to see God break through. Right? There is going to have to be a desperation to pray in each one of us that is going to bring that pioneer spirit back to our church. The great preacher and author and revivalist Leonard Ravenhill, he said it like this, God does not answer prayer. God answers desperate prayer. And you say, well, that's great that Leonard Ravenhill said that, but does the Bible say that? Well, how about Jeremiah 29, 12? We all know Jeremiah 29, 11, right, where God says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, God continues to speak into verse 12 and says, go back to verse 12, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. Come on, God says he still has plans for a hope and a future for Kauai Bible Church. There are still great things on the horizon. There are still mighty works. We can get back to being a thriving, multiplying church. But it's going to start with us seeking after God with all of our hearts. It's going to start with us having that passion to call upon him and to pray to him. And that in the desperation of our hearts, he will hear us. R.A. Torrey was a, a great preacher and pastor. And he was also the founder of Biola University where my son happens to go to school. But R.A. Torrey back in the day, he said this. When the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, and who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did, for he knows that his day in that church or community is at an end. Hallelujah. Come on. When there is a church that is desperate to pray, 
That desperate prayer is going to drive out the work of the devil from the church, from the community, from the island. We need to be a people who get back to a desperation to pray. Steve Riggle, who pastors a large church in Houston, Texas, and, and, and leads a network of churches called Grace International. I was at a conference in Houston, Texas when, when he spoke these words. And he didn't just speak these words. His church reflected these words because his church did a midweek prayer meeting that was attended by thousands. And Steve Riggle said, if people truly believed the Bible, the prayer meeting would be the highest attended meeting in the church. Right? If people truly believed the Bible, the prayer meeting would be the highest attended meeting in the church. Why is that? Because the Bible talks about the miraculous things that happen when we pray. And if we believed that those miraculous things would happen when we prayed, then we would pray all the time. And especially when we gather together with other people, right? When we're talking about moving mountains and we're talking about the dead being raised back to life again and when we're talking about people being healed and we're talking about devils being cast out and we're talking about people being made whole and new and we're talking about entire regions, the atmosphere and the culture shifting towards the kingdom of God, right? We read all of this in the Bible. We wouldn't be like, well, you know, I'm kind of tired after work. I, I, I'm not really into seeing the dead back to life again tonight. I'm just going to stay home. No, if we truly believed the Bible, we'd go to the prayer meeting, right? We'd be like, ah, the kids are kind of in a bad mood. I don't want to go through the trouble of getting the kids in the car to, 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 to go to church. You know, I'm just, I'm really not into seeing mountains move today. No, if we truly believed the Bible, we would be desperate about prayer. We would be passionate about prayer, right? This past week in our Rooted Bible reading, we, uh, we read in the book of Daniel, about how the, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, about how he wanted somebody to interpret his dream, but he wasn't even going to tell people his dream. He said, if you're truly an interpreter, you'll know what I dreamed, and then you'll tell me what it means. And all of his wise men and his magicians were like, nobody can do that. And he's like, yeah, I bet somebody can. In fact, I'm going to execute all of you unless somebody can tell me what I dreamed and what it meant. Well, amongst those wise men and those magicians were four young Jewish men named Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they were going to get executed along with everybody else. And so Daniel, because he had favor with the king, it says he went to the king and said, give us a little bit of time. And so the king granted him a little bit of time. And guess what Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, guess what they did with that little bit of time? It says they cried out to the God of heaven for mercy. That's desperate prayer. We got just a little bit of time, and we need an absolute miracle. So we're going to go to desperate prayer. And wouldn't you know that God showed Daniel the dream and gave him the interpretation and preserved their lives. Come on, we need to be called back to a place of desperate prayer. The second one is a revival of personal evangelism. A revival of personal evangelism, right? We can call this living missionally, 
Right? I, I want to see Kauai Bible Church get excited about international missions again, and, and that'll be a part of this, this pioneer being a theme of 2023 is getting us back to being passionate. But living missionally is not just international missions. It's living missionally right where you live. And it's a revival of personal evangelism, of sharing the gospel with people that you know and finding opportunities to lead them to Christ and then bringing them to church so that they can become a part of the household of God so that every member of their family can find and fulfill their purpose in God's family. Right? A revival of personal evangelism. Mark 16, 15, and Jesus said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. If we're going to have a pioneer spirit, we have got to get back to preaching the gospel. And throwing out the excuses that, well, I don't know how to do it. I'm not comfortable doing it. People are going to say no. People don't want to hear it anymore. No, we're going to throw out all those excuses, and we're going to get back to preaching the gospel. Right? We already said it today. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, the Son of Man has come in to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, here's the reality, is that event-based evangelism is not working in today's culture. And that's hard for me to say because before I became the pastor of this church, that was my whole ministry. On the mainland, I did event-based evangelism. We did large events. People came. They were blessed by the events. We shared the gospel with them. They were so touched by the love of God, they would come to church, and then I would bring them into New Believers Discipleship, and we would disciple them. And, and many of those folks uh, are, are still in the church there in Vancouver, Washington, and still growing as disciples of the Lord. Right, So I love event-based evangelism. It just doesn't work anymore in today's culture, right? Here on Kauai, a few years ago, we brought in the uh, Billy Graham Evangelistic Ministries, and Will Graham and Franklin Graham came, and uh, we booked the stadium, and they brought in this huge stage and these big old rock concerts, and, 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 and it was amazing, except that only Christians showed up. Right here at Kauai Bible Church, man, we've done tons of events over the last five years. And nobody gets saved and nobody comes to church because of them. So what does that mean? It means God is calling us back to a pioneer spirit that says, I'm not going to depend on an event to win someone to Jesus. I'm not going to depend on just the pastor to win somebody to Jesus. I'm going to go out and share the gospel and lead somebody to Jesus. Come on. What will a pioneer spirit look like? How about faith risks to start new ministries? God speaks something to you, and even though you think you might fail, you're not sure if you can do it, you take a faith risk to step out and do something new in ministry. And that we would see miracles begin to happen and lives begin to be touched because you took a faith risk and you stepped out even if you weren't sure. Right? Hebrews 12.1 says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Right? What is going to cause us to throw off any encumbrance, any obstacle, anything that's impeding us from running the race that God set for us, the masterpiece life that God planned for us in advance, the sin that's stopping us, the obstacles that are stopping us, what's going to cause us to throw all of that off is recognizing the great cloud of witnesses 
that is surrounding us. What is Paul, or not necessarily Paul, the writer of Hebrews. Some believe it's Paul, some don't. What is the writer talking about here with this great cloud of witnesses? Well, the previous chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, talks about all the heroes of the faith of of the Old Testament and the mighty things that they did by faith. And then in verse 32 says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. How did all of this happen? Because people took faith risks. And now we, Kauai Bible Church, are surrounded by that great cloud of witnesses so that we can throw off every weight and run with endurance the race that is set before us. Even surrounded by the cloud of witnesses of those that pioneered this church, And what that means in our lives, we can throw off every weight. William Carey, I've used this quote in the past, who is known as the father of modern missions, says, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. When was the last time we attempted something great for God? I want to talk to you today about the power of faith and a maybe. The power of faith and a maybe. That's all you need. If you've got faith and a maybe, you can attempt great things for God. What am I talking about? Well, in 1 Samuel 14, we read about Jonathan, who was the son of King Saul. And the army of Israel was camped on one side of a valley, and the armies of the Philistines were camped on the other side of the valley. The problem with the army of the Israelites is they only had two swords amongst them because they had been oppressed for so long by the Philistines, they could no longer create their own weapons. And so here's Jonathan facing this army that looks like the sand on the seashore, and they're all armed and equipped, and the Israelites have no weapons. And Jonathan says to his armor bearer, let's go across the valley And let's confront these uncircumcised Philistines. And I love this. He said, maybe God will show up. Maybe God will show up. And Jonathan and and his armor bearer crossed that valley and confronted the Philistines. And it says they had killed 20 men in hand-to-hand combat before God showed up in a miraculous way and began to wipe out the whole Philistine army. The power of faith and a maybe. We just read it this week in Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were brought before the king and reprimanded for not bowing down to his golden statue. And they were told, if you don't bow down to the statue, we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. And their response was, we believe in a God who can rescue us from that fiery furnace. But then they said this, but even if he doesn't, we will never bow down to you. Even if he doesn't, we will never bow down to you. The power of faith and a maybe. They didn't know if God was going to show up. They had the faith to believe that he could and maybe he would, 
but they were going to give their all for him and not bow down to the world. The power of faith and a maybe. Do you have enough faith to say, I'm going to give my all for Jesus? Maybe he'll show up and do something miraculous. Maybe not, but it's worth it to take some faith risks, to do some new things, to discover the masterpiece life that God set out for me. And finally, I've gone way too long today, so let me give you the last one. It's a willingness to be used by God. Isaiah had a vision of the presence of God. And God dealt with his sin as he had this vision. And then in verse 8 of Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah wrote, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then I said, Here I am. Send me. One of the most powerful, one of the most dangerous prayers you could possibly pray. Here I am. Send me. Come on, what is going to revitalize Kauai Bible Church and secure our future? It's a pioneer spirit that brings us back to a desperation for prayer, that brings us back to personal evangelism, that causes us to begin to take faith risks to start new ministries, and that we have a willingness to be used by God, and we say, here I am, God, send me. This is what God's been dealing with with my heart since we had the 50th anniversary in November. And God's bringing me back to this place. And I am calling all of us together as a church back to this place. Pioneer. This word is going to mark 2023. Here's what I want to do. I want to pray for you. And then we're going to do something a little bit different before the worship team comes back up to close us out in worship. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, uh, would you take these words that I spoke today, Lord, and would you cause them to uh, get deep within our hearts and our spirits? Let them rattle around. Let them bother us, oh Lord. Uh, let them cause a holy unsettling within our lives. That, Lord, where we have been comfortable, Lord, I pray there would begin to be a little bit of discomfort. Lord, where we have been stagnant, I pray that there would be a little bit of movement that would begin to happen, a fresh stirring. Oh, Lord, where the flames have burned out, there's still some coals there. And I pray today that there would be a fresh spark that would begin to light amongst the, amongst the coals of our hearts and our spirits, oh God. Oh, that you would call us, Lord, back to that pioneer spirit, that we would fix our eyes upon Jesus, the pioneer of our faith, and we would say, I am going to go where our forerunner went. Oh, that he wanted to preach the gospel. He wanted to find the lost. He wanted to be a light in the darkness. He wanted to bring abundant life. He wanted to heal the sick and raise the dead and bind up the brokenhearted and set the captives free and that it would stir up within us today to say, yes, that is our king. That is our Lord. And we're going to walk the trail with Jesus. We're going to be pioneers like Jesus was. We're going to throw out the excuses. We're going to throw out the obstacles. We're going to deal with the sin that snares us and hinders us. And we're going to become the pioneers that God has called us to be. I pray for Kauai Bible Church, Lord. I pray for her revitalization, that we will again be a healthy and thriving church. And we won't have to look back to the days to say that was a day oh, when Kauai Bible Church was growing and multiplying and full of great things. No, we will say today is a day that Kauai Bible Church is growing and multiplying and full of great things. And so, Lord, let these words go forth prophetically. Oh, Father, let them stir our spirits. Let it get something 
living within us and let us leave here today changed and transformed, God. We thank you for these things. We pray all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And we say, amen. Amen. Here's what we're going to do right now. This is a little bit different. You're going to have to get a little uncomfortable. But I'm going to encourage you to get out of your seats and to form groups of maybe three people. Maybe even not necessarily with your spouse. Maybe break apart and sit down with some new people that maybe you don't talk to as much. Go ahead and start doing it right now. Start uh, getting up, getting into groups of two or three people. And within those groups, I want you to discuss these two questions. And then after we've given you several minutes to discuss these two questions, the worship team is going to come up and and begin to, to lead us in a time of worship to close out the service. Here are the two questions. We'll put them up on the screen. What are you desperate for that will cause you to pray? Come on, what is stirring within you? What is it that would bring you to a place of desperate prayer? And what are you passionate about that will cause you to walk the trail with Jesus? Come on, I want us to have some conversations with each other. What is happening in our lives that is going to stir our desperation and stir our passion and bring us back to this pioneer spirit? Go ahead, start having your discussions. The worship team will come up in a few minutes, and we'll close together in worship. God bless you guys.